All right, we're doing the lottery first, right? We are doing the lottery, hitting the lottery. You feeling lucky for this feeling one? Lucky, no black dots. Oddly enough, this is the one time you don't want to be lucky. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, welcome to the Codex Cantina. I am Una, and I am the Powerball Crypto. And we have joked before about you know the opening scene to the Hunger Games or many of the gladiator scenes in various movies that were like, that's just the lottery by Shirley Jackson. Yeah. And here we are finally talking about the lottery by Shirley Jackson. Yeah, there are so many things that have ripped this off. All right, so the lottery by Shirley Jackson was published in 1948. It is really self-reflecting of her. So she was originally from California. And then she moved to a small town in Vermont. And this is definitely a reflection of her feelings of feeling ostracized and feeling not welcomed by this town. And I very much resonate with this. When I was younger, 12, 13 years old, my parents moved us to a small town, a few hundred people. They all knew each other. They were farmers, tight-knit group. And if you were an outsider, you were shunned. And she very much feels shunned. And in this story, we're going to see that she plops herself down right in the middle of it as a person that oh. does not feel welcome in a small town. Now, when you moved to your small town, did they try to sacrifice you for a corn harvest ritual? They did. Yes. <laughs> they did. <laughs> I survived. Uh, excellent. Excellent. Well, that brings, it, that brings us to our three themes. And the first one that you need to pay attention to is kind of tradition or rituals. The second one is the trolley problem. Do you know what the trolley problem is, Crypto? Yes, I learned this from watching The Good Place. <laughs> really? Okay. I, I, learned, so, I learned it in college in philosophy, but yeah. So the, the basic idea is this came out in 1967, but it's the idea is there's a runaway trolley on a train, and it's going to crash, and the five people on it are going to die. You have the chance to save those people by diverting the train but by diverting it, it'll kill one, baby. one person instead. So it's the idea of if you make the choice to save, if you, to kill one for the good of many, if you will. You're still choosing to kill the guy, but you're saving five. Is that worth it? Um, and there's a lot of different variations on that, and we'll kind of go into that in terms of, you know, there's a difference of whether you just pull the switch and it diverts it. Oddly enough, if you have to push a guy over and the guy's body... <laughs> hits the lever and then that diverts it that's a very different answer than just pulling the switch oddly enough is when you physically have to kill the person um, but we'll go through that through the story and then and the last theme is the 1963 milgram shock experiment are you familiar with that one mr crypto that one i'm unfamiliar with again they've done many variations on this and kind of nuanced in on it but the idea is that some people were brought in to hit a button to shock a, a tester when they got a wrong answer i believe it was oh okay i have heard of this but the idea is that they knew that the person uh, had a heart issue or some type of a medical condition where the shot could kill them. And each time they had to increase, I think, the intensity of it. And they had to do it four times to the point where the, like, the fourth level of shock would, would basically kill the person. And a majority of people, you know, they do one and then the, the experiment would be like, please continue. Like they tell them, keep shocking the person. And 65% of participants would actually go all the way to the final level of shock knowing that they're probably going to kill this person submitting to authority so that's that's the uh, milgram shock experiment which which explains a lot of what happens in the story i like bill murray's version better in ghostbusters <laughs> <laughs> uh to the one where he picks up the woman yes, yes. <laughs> 
All right, so let's let's keep those in mind and we'll bring them up. What we're going to do is we're going to do our approach where we break it down in in story. So we'll kind of work through the story in a linear fashion and bring out kind of what Shirley Jackson may have been going for with this piece, which is just such a beautiful piece. So let's get started with this. The opening line, I wanted to just read this out loud. The morning of June 27th was clear and sunny with a fresh warmth of a full summer day. The flowers were blossoming profusely and the grass was richly green. Wow. So let's let, let's look at this for a second. So we've got Shirley Jackson using words like morning, flowers, and grass, which represent life. Right. Yeah. Right. Spring, so Spring. something fresh. So setting up a, a good feeling, right? Exactly. Then you've got an abundance of everything. Grass only grows rich and green when there's plenty of, of nutrients and water and such. Uh, you've got the warmth of the clear, sunny day. You got you got a very happy setup in the beginning of the story. Yeah, it doesn't feel like anything ominous is coming at all. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that there was a lot of outcry when this was published in the New Yorker in 1948? Oh yeah, people were people literally sent in mail threats and and, yeah. and just and quit their subscriptions because yeah. of this piece. Yeah, there was like a downturn in subscriptions hugely. It was crazy, huge. It's huge. All right, so. <laughs> So a small village of 300 people gather in the square to prepare for some type of a ritual, but they're talking about how some towns make it to two days. And I think that what that does is that shows that it's not just this town's tradition. This is a cultural thing across towns, basically. We all do this lottery thing, is what they're saying at this point in time. So school gets let out, and there's this quote, the feeling of liberty sat uneasily on out of them. So school is out and the feeling of liberty sat uneasily on them with Bobby Martin stuffing his pockets full of stones. So I think the first question I had when I read this is, okay, what's going on with the stones and why are they round and smooth? Because if you're building something, you don't want them round and smooth, right? When you think of round and smooth uh, stones, what do you think of, Crypto? Skipping them in water. Which is playful. Yeah, right. That, the, yeah, the first thing is like, oh, these kids are all picking up stones because they're going to have this thing and then they're all going to go off and play. Yes, yes. Yeah. Again, Shirley Jackson. Nothing ominous coming. <laughs> using this this playful, fun way to approach it. You're like, that's kind of weird with the stones, but it's cool. It's kids being kids. Uh, and it's also worth noting kind of um, the girls stood aside and talked amongst themselves while the boys grabbed the stones. So we have some type of a gender differentiation with this ritual too, right? Yeah. Oh, definitely. And that's a theme throughout the whole story. And you probably have some quotes on that later. So on that note, we can talk about it in a second. But I want to bring up real quick the idea of the names. And in the very beginning, we have some pretty cool play on the names with Dickie Delacroix or Delacroix. And they even bring that up of how it's pronounced differently. And this is a, di a direct reference to... Do you know? The cross... Uh... Cross is it's cross in, in French, right? Yeah, yeah. So kind of a little cool play on on words there with the names, and this happens several other times in the story as well. So with the two names, you have Mister Summers, and he's the first one to come out, and he represents life, and he represents everything that's going good, and he starts off the story, and then after him comes Mister Graves, which is a play on grave death all coming after all the renewal of life. And so very little subtle uh, nuance there of the names of how 
this the story is foreshadowing. Yeah, I don't know if she does that too often, but uh, I definitely noticed De La Croix, which it also has biblical reference, right? If if we're gonna say the cross and this is a ritual, we gotta start talking about sacrifices, right? And when you start talking about throwing stones, you gotta start talking about the Bible when we're talking about throwing stones too, right? So there there are some some heavy heavy allusions there. I feel like to to why those names were selected. Summer is also being the season that this event takes place. And when he walks out with the lottery box, who follows him? Mr. Grave. So after the ritual guy, Summers, follows the grave, death, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that bringing the religion thing in is probably something that she saw a lot of in the small town that she lived in. And she's drawing Mm. upon that of how religion heavily influenced this small town in Vermont. Do you remember what Mr. Summer's job was? He is the head of the coal department? Yeah, he's in the coal business, which coal being a representation of burning something and moving on. It's like like wasting something. And he's the one that is running this ritual, running the lottery, the idea of wasting something, right? So kind of a very subtle, nice little play on... uh, she could have thrown any business in. It's interesting that she chose that. But uh, next they talk about rituals, and we have an important quote. Mr. Summers spoke frequently to the villagers about making a new box, but no one liked to upset even as much tradition as was presented by the black box. So we have this black box, right? And it's black, representing Death. evil, sin, Yeah. right? And it's, it's starting to get worn down. It's the idea that even throughout this piece, people are talking about, we're not really sure exactly why this began or why, how, how or why we do this ritual. We just kind of do it. And uh, the box is starting to get worn down in the same way. This, this box is a representation of their understanding of how and why we do these rituals. Like I remember being eight years old and, and doing some church things, like going up and receiving communion. And I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm just going through the, the steps here. <laughs> Yeah, and the people are getting worn down as well, and they're just going through the motions, going through this ritual because it's the way it's always been done. And that speaks a lot to how a lot of people live their lives. They just go through the motion day after day and just do the same thing their parents did, the same thing our grandparents did. And yep. it gets into later of someone finally questioning the status quo. So up comes Miss Tessie Hutchinson, who rushes to their ritual and almost forgot about it. And they start talking where Clyde Dunbar is missing his wife and he needs someone else to draw for him. And there's kind of, I I didn't know, so I didn't know much about Shirley Jackson's background. So I'm glad that you brought that up because I had this quote here that I wasn't sure what it meant, but it says, glad to see your your mother's got a man to do it. And they, they kept having this divide about the man must be the one that selected. What are your thoughts on that in relation to her small town status? Oh, I'm sure it was very... 1950s America where the woman stayed home and did all of the quote womanly things that they're supposed to do cook clean all that stuff and I think that she's getting a little sassy with it I think that she's trying to poke fun at it because this is 1948 yeah I'd be curious to see if she had any commentary on the draft for World War II you know, and you and I have talked about the the bleak era of feminism following World War II with, with you know, women went to work during World War II and what happened afterwards. Well, before World War II, how did they, how did they get in that situation was the draft. And the men were the ones that had to sign up and go and surf, right? 
Yeah, I totally think that World War II is influential here because of the fact of everybody in the story is just going along with this, just like the Germans did, and they thought they were doing right and following the law, but just because you're following the law doesn't mean you're doing something right. And in this piece, we see that, and so you can definitely feel the influence of World War II and Germany and right and wrong in the story. Easily can make the leap in conclusion that the idea of feminism here of who is making all the bullets, the blankets, the guns, and all that stuff for the soldiers when they were off. It was the women, and now their powers are being taken away after the war when all the men return, and they need the men back. Easily can put those two together, I think. Right, so they start drawing names for the lottery. And we've got, first up is Mr. Adams. Interesting that the first name selected is... Adams, Adam, Eve. Adam and Eve, right? Yeah, love it. Another biblical reference. This piece is so chock full of just literary items i just love it one of the names here this is a very obscure one but uh bentham do you know who bentham is bentham right oh i hadn't thought about i hadn't thought about that but there's uh, oh. jerry bentham who is an english philosopher on utilitarianism which do you know what oh. utilitarianism is yeah so the total control no no it's the doctrine that an action is right insofar as it promotes happiness and that the greatest happiness of the greatest number should be the guiding principle of conduct. A.K.A., let's go back to our trolley problem. Do you sacrifice one for the good of many? Okay, that makes sense. Interesting, right? Yeah. I guess I was looking more religiously, but I, that's obviously a much better explanation. So go with that. I, I, think there's, <laughs> I think there's a lot of different angles that you can take this piece. I, I don't think it's wrong to, to go that way as well. Looking at it from always just a religious aspect, I think you can limit your scope and perspective. So looking at it from these different angles makes a, a, a more rational argument, I think, for the story as a whole. All right, so up next, Mr. Adams has a very important quote. He says, That over in the North Village, they're talking of giving up the lottery. And, my, and one of my favorite characters, Old Man Warner. <laughs> old Man Warner. He says, next thing you know, they'll be wanting to go back to living in caves. <laughs> and uh, I can actually see Old Man Warner. You know who, if I were to pick an audiobook actor, who I would pick? No, who would you pick? Mark Thompson. Okay, I, was th I thought you might go with his voice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, so Mr. Adams replies, some places have already quit lotteries. Lottery in June, corn be heavy soon. And we have this hymn-like reply, if you're going the biblical route. But I want to go the trolley problem route, where this reads like this reads like a small pagan town ritual, does it not? The idea that you have a blood sacrifice for the good fertility of this corn, for the greater good of our farming community, we sacrifice this in order for the greater good of everyone else. Yeah, it's the most important quote in the whole story, I think. This starts to bring up the idea of the submit to authority. You know, you got old man Warner basically, I just realized something. Warner. He's warning her. Warn her. Yeah. I didn't realize that before. Um, but yeah, he is he, bringing up, yeah, he's, he's bringing, he's representing tradition. He's saying, this is the way we've always done it, guys, and we've got it good. Don't screw it up. Don't be like those other towns. They're going to go back to the, the ways where they're living in caves before we had the civilized ways of sacrificing people in our village randomly. <laughs> <laughs> spoiler. Spoiler. Oh, come on. <laughs> We're not doing spoilers anymore for short stories. Just get over it. Yeah. 
they're too short. All right. Um, so Bill Hutchinson draws a paper, and he wins the lottery. And immediately, Tessie lashes out that it wasn't fair. So at this point, you should know you should know something's wrong if she's complaining that she won, that her husband won, right? Yep. And you see her start immediately throwing out the names Don and Eva, or Ava, very close to Eve. Okay, yeah. I'm just going to say that. I don't, I don't think it's that strong, but it's there. But he start, she starts throwing out another names, which is why instead of going the biblical route, I want to go to the trolley route. Because now you start to see which one that she would select. So in the situation where you have to push someone off the ledge to, to flip the lever so that the trolley is saved, but you've killed a guy in, the, in, in this case, you start to see which, which scenario Tessie would select. When, when her family selected, she's immediately like, what about Don and Eva? Like, she's the one that's going to push you over the edge. <laughs> but not sacrifice herself. <laughs> to save herself. herself, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just, I really like that. And there's a couple different alternates where where um, you can flip the switch, but the trolley hits you. And you can guess that that has the lowest. No, I'm sure. <laughs> lowest option selection where people are like, yeah, those five can just go. I just, <laughs> we're not going to worry about them. <laughs> That's awful. Yeah. Now, if you did want to go to the biblical route, what do we, I, I don't get how this always happens. Every single time we talk about this. How many kids do they have? Three. I don't know what it is with authors. Every single time we talk about three kids here, so they're 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 entered into to the drawing. These three kids and the two parents for basically who's going to be the one in this family to now win the lotto. So at first Tessie was resistant, right? No, no, th- th- not us, not us. It wasn't fair. You didn't give us enough time. And then as soon as everyone's like, "No, you got to do this, Tessie. Come on, this is the way." She does it. Right, she 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 doesn't she doesn't keep resisting. She submits to authority. This brings up that Milgram shock experiment where people will submit to authority a majority of the time when someone in a in a position's like, no, this is the way we do it. This is the way it's always done. And I think that brings it back to the point of her writing this in this small town of this is the way it's always done in this small town, and we're not going to allow you outsiders to interrupt our way of life that we've always had. Yeah, this is how we do it in our town. You yep. you. The other towns can do it their way. This is our town's way, right? Exactly. So Tessie's name is pulled. <laughs> and uh, it's worth noting, too, that how, how was that mark made? They said it was made at the um, coal company. So again, bringing back black that. Chew, chew something up, spit it out, and its use, its use is done. The, the coal company's making that call here that Tessie's use is now done. They're going to chew her up for this ritual, for the greater good of this corn. And then it goes even darker. And this is where people probably went ballistic with this story. <laughs> the whole town was upon her. And it's it's interesting, too, going back to the, the Milgram shock experiment. Come on, let's get it over with, people. Grab your rocks, you know. Let's grab your stones. Let's just get this over with. And then they were upon her. Terrifying. Terrifying yeah. that people would just go along with this. Terrifying what that shock experiment exposes terrifying to see how different people's choices can be based on where they are and what they have to do in the trolley problem and it's so fascinating how the lottery brings all of these pieces out yeah amazing yeah it exposes humanity for our worst and how we are sheep and we will just go wrong with things that we know are wrong because everybody does them because this is how we've always done it yep all right, old man Warner, old man crypto. <laughs> oh, we're, thanks. <laughs> we're doing the month of short stories here. 
where if you didn't know, Harrison Bergeron by Kurt Vonnegut is crypto's number one favorite short story of all time. I am searching to see if we can find a short story that can replace Harrison Bergeron in crypto's eyes as the greatest short story of all time. Mr. Crypto, first and foremost, what is your rating of the story on a scale of 1 to 10? I would give this a solid 8. Awesome story. Good message. Oh, man. I don't think it as... I'm at a 9.5. Wow. Yeah. This This is... What could be better? It's not as, as we've seen before, it's not as clean. If it's if it's not clean, if it's dirty where there's things that don't need to be there or superfluous, what is it? The way Tessie protests and then just gives up. Uh, I could see her succumbing to pressure, but uh, if she's truly going to be the voice of reason and difference and make a difference, and again, that would take the story in a whole different direction, but why mention other towns that are having this happen and then not have a revolution spark here. Uh, again, that would tell a different tale. It would be a different point of the story that this town's just going to keep the status quo. But then why bring it up at all? Oh, because because of your point earlier, this is small town Shirley's experience. True. This is not how they do it in small towns. This is how they've always done it. So that's why they keep going forward with it. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm happy with my eight. I don't think that it's perfect. All right. So I'm guessing that this does not replace Harrison Bergeron as your favorite short story of all time then. No, sir. But it is a fantastic story. I think it's definitely worth a read. I think it's a great teaching okay. tool. But I just think that it, it's a, a, it's not perfectly clean. and Yet you can't name something to remove. I don't think clean's the word you're looking for. Okay. I don't, I, think I don't know I don't know what the word is, but I don't think it's clean, because what could you remove from this? I already said that. It's all good. No, you changed the outcome. You wanted a different outcome. That's different from being able to remove something. I guess the story should have told, had a different purpose then. I think that's a personal opinion, but that has nothing to do with it being clean. Okay, that's fair. I'm just trying to hone in on the words with you. Um, I'm going to go with a 9.5 out of 10. Uh, there's there's not there's this there's not much you can remove from this story this is very very elegant very very clean there's very different ways you can take this in terms of biblical you've got the different experiences of of small town how we've always done it the ritualistic submit to authority blind faith concept you've got world war ii interpretations in terms of the draft in terms of you know the men having to be the ones to be selected but but women suffer too um, I think it's a beautiful story, but it doesn't take over Harrison Bergeron as Crypto's favorite short story. So stay tuned. We've we've now we're over two with Lamb to the Slaughter and uh, and the Lottery. We'll see. We'll see if uh, what, what's up next? Nabokov. We'll see if Nabokov takes over the the pie for you. <laughs> Good luck. We do literature breakdowns every Monday and Thursday, and we do try to hoe. We try to hoe up them videos. <laughs> <laughs> we try to throw up bonus videos each week too we average two to four videos a week please consider subscribing if you'd like to join in on the fun that we have here let us know in the comments down below what we may have missed or what you may disagree with peace out guys peace